Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beauty Boss Podcast. My name is Christian, and I am the CEO and owner of CXC Beauty. And today we're talking about something that has spanned our history for thousands of years and is virtually a part of almost every society in on Earth. Um, so basically, we're talking about the history of makeup. For you to get into any particular business, I feel like you really need to know the history and kind of know the basics of where your industry came from. So I felt like it was important to talk about this with you guys. And what better way to start talking about this than on the podcast and give you guys some little information and insight into the history of makeup. Okay, guys, and to give you a better, more educated kind of insight on this, I do have some notes here, so I might be reading off these notes. So if I do sound a little bit robotic, it's because I'm reading. <laughs> Anyways, um, I wanted to get into the history of makeup, starting with the most widely recorded, which is ancient Egypt and how they used makeup. Um, they used something called coal, which was pretty much an eyeliner. And it was a mixture of metal, lead, copper, ash, and burnt almonds. And this mixture was used both by men and women. And they painted it around their eyes. And they mostly did this to ward off evil spirits and dangerous spirits. But also, it, was, it came in handy for them when they were in the harsh sunlight in the desert. So they use this mostly to protect themselves, basically. And also, our scientists have determined that wearing this coal that had lead in it uh, prevented infectious diseases. However, <laughs> if they would have continued and had a longer lifespan, the lead would have eventually killed them, which is kind of, it's not funny, but it's kind of ironic. The ancient Egyptians also wore a lot of lipsticks, which were made from different things. Um, another notable ingredient is carmine, which we actually still use today in cosmetics. And it's a deep red color, and it's made from crushed beetles. So they weren't vegan friendly. <laughs> and they did that by mixing the carmine with different clays and water. So as we can see here, beginning in ancient Egypt and even further back, makeup was used by men and women. So that is a big topic that we're gonna talk about today, um, the inclusion of both genders in makeup. We will talk about the gender topic a little bit later on, but as we travel further east to ancient China, we have different techniques of how they used uh, makeup and different cosmetics. So the Chinese would stain their fingernails with a mixture of gum arabic, gelatin, beeswax, and egg. And in their society, colors would determine their social status, whereas the, the lower class was forbidden from wearing any bright colors. So they used it more as a status symbol. In Japan, geishas wore lipstick made from crushed safflower petals, and they also painted their eyebrows and the edges of their eyes. Rice powders were used to color their face and back, and they would even occasionally use bird droppings <laughs> to achieve a lighter complexion. In Japan, they had something called kabuki, which was a performing arts, and traditionally it was performed by women. But then in 1629, with a change in dynasty, only men were allowed to perform, so they had to wear their makeup and portray women and wear eye-catching makeup. So as we can see again here in Japan, they didn't have only makeup for women. It was both men and women in both genders. 
So as you can see, as we're talking about different eras, different times, uh, we're progressing more on a global scale to the Americas and Australias, where a lot of tribes wore ceremonial, ceremonial makeup for different things. And even to this day, they still wear makeup when they do their ceremonies. Also in ancient Greece, men and women liked to paint their face with white chalk because they were obsessed with a lighter complexion. Um, they called this face painting. And then jumping from the Greek, we're going into the Roman Empire, which were so obsessed with beauty that sometimes it killed them. In the Roman Empire, makeup was commonly worn by either prostitutes or the wealthy, and they were literally so obsessed with beauty that they used a lot of ingredients that were poisonous, and even knowing that it would cause teeth rotting, permanent skin discoloration, hair loss, and even death, they were still using these products and literally dying for makeup. They also had less harmful cosmetics that were made with animal fats, starches, and tin oxides, which we still, to this day, use some of those ingredients, which is pretty interesting how the things kind of progress through time. So as we can see with the ancient Roman Empire and their um, very toxic ingredients, what's a little hair in your lipstick nowadays? Okay, so moving on to ancient Europe where things get a little bit more strange and interesting with um, their ideals of beauty and how they achieved them. Uh, in Europe, women would often bleed themselves to achieve a paler complexion. So they literally drained their blood to look paler, which is very interesting. Also, egg whites were used as a foundation um, in the 18th century, heavy-duty theatrical makeup started gaining popularity, and it was here in the theaters where contouring started, so Miss Kim Kardashian was not the first. <laughs> um, then King Louis partook in the extravagance of makeup and hair products as he went bald when he was 23. He also forced the aristocracy of France into an obsession with wigs. So basically he started the wig revolution. Um, he was basically a drag queen. <laughs> so in ancient Europe, these men basically painted beauty marks. They wore high heels and even wore fur muffs. So there's more evidence of men in makeup and beauty. So moving into the 18th century is where we really see the change um, because of one woman, really. It was Queen Victoria that made makeup ta taboo and really only prostitutes were allowed to wear it. It was also in these times when masculinity started changing and it was no longer acceptable for men to wear makeup. So now it seems that makeup has become a girls only club. So now as we move into the 19th century, we move into more makeup as we see it today. And in the 19th century, a German man created something which is closest to what we would call foundation these days. And it was a grease paint. And it was used by both men and women to conceal their wig lace. Well, it wasn't lace back then because lace wasn't commonly used. But it was used to conceal the line between their wig and their forehead. 
and this was made out of different fats and pigments and this sort of makeup remained until about 1914. So as we continue moving forward through history, the actual name makeup was not really used until about 1920 when the father of modern, modern day makeup coined the name or coined the term. And it was none other than Mr. Max Factor himself. Um, that is a brand that is still around. Um, and yes, he was an actual person. So Max Factor pioneered the makeup we call nowadays the pancake makeup, and it was made of talc, and um, it wasn't your standard oil or wax. Uh, it was used to cover blemishes and was lightweight enough to be worn in public. And this pancake makeup launch was the most successful launch in the 1940s and continued through the golden age of cinema. Also really popular in the 30s and 40s was liquid foundation. Uh, women wanted to get rid of stockings, but still wanted to keep their legs perfect and blemish-free, so liquid makeup was used a lot. So as we go through history, we see different types of makeup used and different ingredients, but as the technologies progressed and all those things through the centuries, cosmetic chemists began to micronize powders, make them super fine, unimaginably, unimaginably fine. And it led to many of the makeup styles we had today. So moving forward in history, we move into the 80s, which blessed us with many things, along with my wonderful partner and husband, Anthony Winch, 1984. Um, we started seeing makeup creep back into the lives of many men. Um, mostly music artists and club kids, they all started wearing makeup in this time, glam rockers. So in closing with the 80s, we start seeing makeup creep back into the lives of men and becoming part of their style. So then moving on into the 2000s, we see a lot more men rocking the style of guy liner, which is men wearing eyeliner, and seeing that more in the mainstream media. As we move in through the 2000s, we start moving into the age of social media. I remember the birth of YouTube like it was the other day. So I think YouTube was like 2006. And then that kind of started a new wave in the beauty industry, which we're starting to see beauty gurus and uh, regular people out there just uploading different videos about makeup, makeup tutorials. And this is where the shift in the industry started. This was really the birth of makeup in social media, this and Instagram. So as we start seeing this shift, we see more and more people uploading and doing makeup in different ways. And also this brings in different ways of beauty brands to start marketing. This was also the emergence of more boys in beauty and boys in makeup. And this is where brands really start seeing that boys in beauty are starting to emerge. This is also where we start seeing influencer marketing and different uh, tactics of marketing, especially coming from brands such as PR, which usually before social media was reserved for the editors of magazines and stuff like that, um, that would get the PR and that way they could write about in magazines. We're starting to see more influencers and people online taking over the space. So as more beauty boys emerged from YouTube, Instagram, and all those things, brands started shifting. 
Um, and we start seeing things like James Charles, which was the first cover boy for cover girl. So as we can see, as history progresses with makeup, we are essentially going back to our roots where makeup is no longer one gender or the others, which is how it should be because it's makeup, it's beauty, and beauty can be held by either men, women, or however you identify. Also, with now makeup being represented by men and women, we see a shift in the, in the makeup industry as well, where makeup is now marketed to both men and women, which is another business side. Um, and a lot of brands have taken advantage of this and have made it a selling point. So now we have a wider market uh, and a wider range of people that will buy makeup. We also see that trend, um, believe it or not, starting in 2017, which this should have been something that was started a long time ago in the beginning of makeup is more inclusivity for skin tones and different complexions. So companies have gone with the trend of widening their foundation range and all that stuff to reach a different uh, market or different audience when this clearly should have been done since the beginning. No one should have ever been excluded. So as we close this podcast and um, I hopefully gave you a little bit more insight into the history of makeup. So if you do want to develop your own brand or become your own beauty boss, um, you have a little bit of history and you know when somebody tries to challenge you, you'll have some facts and information to, you know, put them on the right track. Um, I hope you enjoyed my brief history lesson. Of course, there's a ton more information out on the internet that you can find if you want to dive deeper into these different cultures. Um, this was just brief and a little information for you to digest. Thank you so much for joining our podcast today. Um, I will be doing these podcasts every Tuesday and Thursday. They will be up on Anchor FM in the morning at 8 a.m., also available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you again so much for spending some time with me today, and I will see you in the next one.